It's the 1 o'clock hour middays with MFB. Tim Benz, Lou Merloni, Christian Fourier, and 93.7 WEEI. Pleased to be joined at this point on the AT&T hotline from NBC Sports, Pierre McGuire. Pierre was along the benches yesterday, and uh, Pierre was right there when they had that controversial play that ended up becoming the first goal of the game. He grabbed the stick. Did he grab a stick or when the puck? Oh, the puck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the it. puck bounced off of his glove, mm-hmm. right, and then came back into play and ended up being a goal for the Maple Leafs. In fact, let's bring Pierre on right now. Pierre, you got to follow up on the thoughts that you had about uh, Coach's challenge in hockey as it related to that specific play? Well, gentlemen, first, it's great to visit with you. Secondly, I love talking hockey with you guys. And thirdly, I've been talking about Coach's challenge for almost seven or eight years now. And... Um, it's not because the referees are, not, are incompetent, because they're not. They're the best in the world at what they do. The game has just gotten so fast and so much faster than it was even five years ago um, because people have figured out how to play without the red line, and the players coming into the league are so much more gifted than they were in previous years. So my thought is, is that you get one coach's challenge per game. As long as it works, you continually have a challenge. So let's say I challenged that play last night and I'm proven to be right. I don't lose my challenge. But if I'm proven to be wrong, I have no more challenges left and I lose my timeout. Let's say I used my timeout and I try to use a challenge and I'm wrong again, then I get a minor penalty. Everything's negotiable, but I would say that you'd have to have a fundamental system of how and what could be challenged. You know, Pierre, uh, last night, I tell you, I don't know what you were thinking because uh, I'm watching that game, and it started off with an unbelievable save by Rask, and then yeah. it just sort of, that second period. I mean, I you know I know Toronto is playing better, but it was a different team than we saw earlier on in the year, but that was just one of those defensive kind of meltdowns kind of all around, would you say, for the Bruins for one night? Lou, I said this last night, and I meant it sincerely. I haven't seen the Bruins get beat like that in a long time. Right. And I was dumbfounded by it because I was around their room. I talked to their coaches before the game. The players really had a, an intense situation that they were looking at, and they were looking that they were up to the challenge. Um, the coaches were really excited. You know, they'd won six of their previous seven, all seven games that they had played previously. Um, Cheryl wasn't there, and they were finding ways to get it done. And obviously, Bergeron and Hamilton were really playing well. Um, they were. I had the feeling they were going to play a really good game last night, and I was really wrong. They did not play a good game last night. Uh, let's talk about Tukaras real quick. So yeah. he's not doesn't have the best success against Montreal. Mm. 18, <laughs> 18 regular season games. He's three eleven and three. Obviously, the last time they played, the Bruins lost, and it wasn't entirely his fault. But it seems like here's the guy that kind of needs to you know fight off some demons and really kind of get some confidence, especially against this team, a team they possibly could play in the playoffs. How important is, is it for him to play, and not only play, to be successful? What a great question, coming from an athlete. And, hey. Christian, you know, the one time you go across the middle and you drop the ball, you're wondering, do I have the quarterback's confidence the next time that I'm open across the middle? And you want to make sure you have his confidence. I think for Tuca, it's the same kind of deal, man. He's got to get his team's confidence going into Montreal so that the team knows that he can deliver there. It's up to him. And, and if I were Claude, and you guys probably, you know, I just got off an airplane coming back from Toronto and back in Connecticut, so I don't know if Tuca's playing tonight or not, but if I'm Claude Julien, he's playing tonight. Yeah, I, I'm with you, yeah, I'm with yeah. you, Pierre, because we had the same conversation before you came on. You know, you can't just dot in Svedberg's starts around the calendar and say, okay, you're going to play every time you play in Montreal, play against the Canadians, and then when the playoffs roll around, what are you going to do, bench Rask and make Svedberg your starter? Mm. Should they play him against Montreal? You just can't do it, can no, you? No, no. 
you got to get back on your horse, and Tuca's going to play guilty tonight. I don't know if he's going to be good enough to win or not, but he's got to get in there and play guilty and say, you know what, I wasn't good enough last night. And I think he's, he's that honest with himself and with his teammates that I think he will play guilty tonight. You know, Pierre, when you see guys like Trotman and you, and you see guys uh, like Morrow, and I'm just wondering, of those two individuals, you know, are we, are we seeing depth? Are we seeing a guy that can actually maybe take it to the next level when, when Chara comes back? Who of those two do you like more? Well, I like the offensive upside of, of Joe Morrow a lot. I really do. Uh, I'm not as enamored offensively with Zach Trotman. I think David Warsawski's got more upside offensively than Zach Trotman, but I also know that Zach Trotman's a big body, and you can't teach that. Um, and so in a shutdown situation, you might need him, especially in playoff type of situations. The one thing I would say by getting Tory Krug back, maybe you don't need as much Joe Morrow. The one thing about Joe, he was really lucky last night. He could have been burnt on three or four other occasions mm-hmm. where if Pucks got to Phil Kessel or Pucks got to James Van Riemsdyk, he was going to be exposed. The Pucks never got to those players. They were very fortunate, the Bruins. Um, I've, I've watched Joe Morrow since he played for uh, the Portland Winterhawks in the Western Hockey League. He's a riverboat gambler. They're trying to rein him in. I think they're starting to rein him in, yep. but he needs to have more defensive awareness. So you talked about Rask playing guilty, which I love. That's a, that's a phrase I haven't heard in a long period of time. But what about the rest of the team? I mean, if they finally kind of figured out a solution for beating Montreal, and if, if they have, what do you think it is? I think one of the best things that could happen in this, Christian, is that they actually have to play the next day after a humiliating loss in Toronto. So now they're playing with edge. You've got to think they're all going to play with edge. They're going to bring a little bit of nasty tonight. I can tell you one thing. On the bench, Claude Julien was not pleased. And the one thing he kept saying, you're never going to win games if you don't touch the other bodies. You're never going to win games if you don't hit somebody. And he kept saying it and kept saying it and kept saying it. And that was, he got the players' attention. Guys were trying, but they, just, they were a step slow, and they just were not engaged. They, they knew the game was over, and they knew they had to play tonight, so they weren't engaged. But I would say more than anything else, based on your question, that the best thing that could happen for them tonight going into Montreal is that they played last night and they laid an egg. Hey, Pierre, what, um, I'm curious your thoughts. I know the AHL, we were talking about this yesterday, mm-hmm. overtime, get rid of shootouts. I'm not totally get rid of them, but going to right. four-on-four, then a three-on-three, and, it, and mm-hmm. it's eliminated the amount of shootouts. Uh, do you like that idea? Do you think it's gimmicky, or do you think that's better? I think it's better. I really like it a lot. It's a hockey competition. Guys play three-on-three in practice a lot. Guys play four-on-four in practice a lot. It's coaching methodology, and players like that. They want to be tested in those kinds of situations. You know, the shootout's great, and I understand there was a reason for it, especially uh, early on. But I think now's the time where we need to have more of a hockey situation. And the one thing that's really happened that's been positive, I don't know if you guys watched any of the overtime last night, of uh, Anaheim in Los Angeles, but the overtime was spectacular both ways. It was really good. They do this dry cut now on the ice, and the whole ice surface, they never used to do that before overtime. The overtimes are so much more exciting because of the dry cut. So if we ever did the dry cut and had the four-on-four and then the three-on-three, I think it would be fantastic. Pierre, they just want to get back to ties, don't they? I mean, like some of the hockey purists. Oh, my God, no, we don't want to get back to ties. Uh, I don't. But I mean, no, 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 no. We can't have any more ties. I coached in the <laughs> league when there were ties. Ties are no good. I, I agree with you there. I just feel like they, they are so guilt-ridden about em- employing the shootout. And I like the shootout. I'm an advocate of the shootout. I don't right. think it needs to be avoided or the attempts need to be made so much to avoid the shootout as we are seeing right now. It just feels to me like the more and more steps we get away from the shootout, it's like, okay, we played a great game. Ah, let's just call it a tie. I, I don't want that to happen. 
No, I love that point because I totally agree. I also coach in the league where if you lost in overtime, guess what happened? You didn't get a point. Yeah. If you missed, you know, so if you if you lost, let's say twelve overtime games, which I don't know, maybe someone you're talking to might have done something like that, um, and missed the playoffs <laughs> by five or six points, uh, you eventually lose your job. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I I'm not for ties. I'm for wins. And uh, I think if you win, you get two points, and if you lose, you get none. You know, that's just the way it is. But I think what they'll always do is they'll go two and one. Uh, just because they want to keep the standings tight, and so everybody's got a chance to be in the playoffs. Uh, Pierre, are they playing the best team in the Eastern Conference right now tonight? No. Montreal Canadiens? No, 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 no. Tampa Bay and <laughs> Pittsburgh. Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh right now are better than Montreal. Montreal's not playing great. And they, they'd be the first people to tell you. Carey Price has covered up a lot of their blemishes on the back end. Their power play has not been very good. That's why they went out and got Sergei Gonchar. Um, they're not getting a lot of consistent offense from Max Pacioretty and David Dayarnay, and they need both of those guys to provide consistent offense. Um, I do Montreal radio every day and have for the last 17 years. And the one thing I'll tell you is that the fans are really excited about this team, but this team has under-delivered so far based on the expectation of their fan base. You know, you know what, uh, as far as like uh, entertainment value for hockey, watching it on TV, I always felt that that was one of the toughest sports to watch as far as just following everything. So obviously they come up, well, listen, football's first, I think the easiest to watch. <laughs> Baseball, and then basketball, then I'd put hockey in there. But you remember they came up with the glow puck back in the, what was it, yeah, the 90s? Yep. So it looks like they might be bringing that back. Your thoughts we'll on that? See. We'll see. <laughs> what do you say? You think you see NBC no? with the glow puck. No, no part of I'm that not glow sure. puck. Uh, we'll see. You know, I think there's got some. They've got some work to do on that. Um, the general managers will be meeting next week, and I know one of the things they're going to be talking about is the coaches challenge, obviously. And uh, I think the glow puck might be another thing they're going to talk about. I, I think with high definition TV, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it, with high definition TV, the puck does stand out a lot more than it used to. It really sure does, that. unless it's a black puck against dark you, blue jerseys Pierre, along the bench I like last that. night. But. With, well, with high def, I, I can't even see the makeup you wear for TV. <laughs> <laughs> they should glow you. They should, they, you somehow know. they should make you be glo- You should be glowing. Yeah, glow Pierre. Glow Pierre, how about like that? I am, you cannot look like you've been drinking nuclear juice. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful. Now, here's the one thing. I want to ask you guys this. Yeah. We tried every which way to document that puck going over the bench and touching Roman Polak's hand. I still don't know if it's conclusive or not. It sure looks like it, but I don't know that for sure. Did you guys I, get it then? I couldn't tell. I no. thought it was at first. You had me talked into it at first, Pierre, then I looked yep. at it again on replay, and I thought, I don't know. It's so dark against the blue jerseys That's and the gloves. right. Did you That's see it, though? I agree. Now, we, we were the ones that saw that, and I saw how angry Bergeron was. Bergeron was furious after the goal, and I called my producer, uh, Johnny Norton. I said, John, you got to see if that puck touched somebody's hand on the Toronto bench. And they looked at it during the commercial timeout, and they said, you know what? It sure looks like it touches Roman Polak. So then we came back from break and put that on the air. Um, that was a really good job by our truck actually tracking it down and spot-shadowing the puck when it was up and over uh, the bench. And then you see it come down. But I couldn't tell one way or the other if it touched. I couldn't not tell. Last thing, Pierre, before we get to our weekly non-hockey question for Davey O'Brien, Golden Sporks, Spikes yeah. Award-winning Pierre McGuire from yeah, Hobart yeah. University. i got to ask you about uh, the concerns that I have that we will be losing you midseason to the yet-to-be-named Las Vegas franchise, which isn't technically a franchise. Are you going to be the GM of the Las Vegas franchise <laughs> now that the Maloofs? Like, do you know the Maloofs? Are we going to lose you midseason? I mid-season? do not know the Maloofs. I know who the Maloofs are. I do not know the Maloofs. 
I um, I am contractually very happy with NBC. Okay, all right. They seemingly are happy with me because my contract's pretty good. That's kind of funny, though, isn't it, that they have ownership in place for a team that hasn't even been awarded yet? I think you'd be surprised. I think there's probably three or four groups, not just for Las Vegas, I'm talking about around North America, mm-hmm. that are very interested in trying to buy a hockey team. See, my quest to get hockey back to Hartford, Pierre, has taken one step further now because doesn't it look like the Canadian dollar is so bad they're not going to be able to get the two new teams in? Um... 89 cents today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I would love to see a team come back to New England. I'd like to see a team in Quebec City. Um, I think getting into Vegas first might be a good thing, not a bad thing. But all that being said, it's going to be tough in Hartford. I don't know if the building has the revenue streams, and I just don't know what kind of appetite there is to develop those revenue streams. I really don't. Pierre, i got to ask you real quick, because I, yeah. I, I want to say, the minute you brought up that $0.89, cents, talked about the, the fact that the, now they're saying the salary cap might not go up. Yep. Well, didn't you warn us of this uh, yes, like months ago, like, like yes, six sir. months ago, even during the playoffs last year, talking about the dollar in Canada? I did. I told you that last spring when I yeah. sat in your studio. Um, part of what I try to do is have a, a, a vision long-term, and I know the league's played on both sides of the borders. I know a lot of the revenues that come in, especially from the bigger marketplaces in, in Vancouver, in Toronto, in Montreal, and a lot in Alberta. Um, that's significant revenues for the league in terms of the cap. And, I, you know, I talk to people on the financial side of things. I talk to people on the athletic side of things, and it was looking like the Canadian dollar was going to be in, a little, in for a little bit of a rough ride based on the people that I talk with, and that's why I said what I said to you guys. Well, it's a bigger deal than that, too, because, and I think I just read this, Pierre, correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I think I read this yesterday, that there's some sort of gas tax that's being passed in Canada, and people are upset that there's consideration that some of this money, which is supposed to go to infrastructure, might go to NHL arena improvements, and there's this big argument going on to block... Yeah, do, am I right on that? that? That's that's not wrong. That's right. It depends on the province that you're in. There's also, I know there was an outcry in the province of Quebec where I still pay taxes because I own a property there um, where I grew up with my wife. And, and, and I can tell you that people were really angry that potentially there was going to be provincial money put into an arena in Quebec City because they wanted to update their hospitals and their school systems rather than their sport facility. And there's no guarantee an NHL team's even going to go use that rink. So, yeah, no, the people aren't happy about it for sure. All right, finally, uh, uh, our non-hockey question okay. for Golden Spikes winner and Davey O'Brien winner Pierre Maguire from yeah. Hobart University. <laughs> Should the Boston Red Sox give $100 million contracts to both John Lester <laughs> and Pablo Sandoval? You know why I'll say no? Because there's no guarantee that they'll win if they do that. If there was a guarantee they'd win, I'd say yes. No cap, Pierre. This is all. This is all MLB money. I know. I just you I'm stick with your guns, Pierre. Head off. He can't take his GM head off unless I'm getting one. I'm not a big fan. Pierre, you, you, you stick with your guns because that's one way to get your butt fired is giving out millions and millions yep. and not win. All right, Pierre. I, I will say this: one of my real dear friends in the National Hockey League is Zach Parise, who plays in Minnesota. Uh-huh. He's a tremendous guy. When he got the money that he got from Minnesota. I said to him, way to go. I'm so happy for you. I never would have given you that money. 
Well, if you do get the Vegas gig, Pierre, will you put us up at a hotel if we come out to see the Thunder oh, versus on, the Bruins? NBC's got it going on. We got a lot of good hockey stuff going on. I got a ton of Bruins games coming up in January and February and March. I okay, I'll rephrase. I'll rephrase. The first time you cover Vegas versus Bruins, will you put us up out there? It would be a. You know what? You guys could room with me. We'll done. Done. All right. Thanks, we Pierre. Funk out and have fun. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Okay. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for having me on. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Yeah, you, you bet. It. Pierre yep. McGuire from NBC here on 93.7 WEEI.